So, Syrica, uh, I'm really, really pleased to be introducing Syrica. Um, Syrica, uh, I've known Syrica for many years, but ever since I moved back to Manchester, which is about four or five years ago, I've known her and I've had some uh, contact with Syrica in various contexts. And um, the, Syrica has a number of wonderful qualities, actually. Uh, which are plain for all to see. So if you know Syrica at all, you know this already. Um, Syrica is one of the most uncomplicated and straightforward people you could ever hope to meet. Um, remarkably so, I would say. Um, it's just uh, a dream to work with Syrica, and I have worked with Syrica a little bit, uh, uh, working at the centre. It's just so easy and straightforward. Um, really quite remarkably so. And um, she does work very, very hard actually for the centre. Um, She's she been on the centre scene for I don't know how many years. Five. Five. Ever since I've been back in Manchester. Mm. And um, sometimes it has to be said that working for the centre team can be a bit of a thankless task. There is so much to do, so much work that has to be done week by week and day by day. And Surika just, I, in my experience of her, she just does whatever she has to do very, very cheerfully. And as I say, very straightforward. And she is also one of the most helpful people I've ever come across. Um, if ever I phone up the centre or about something, need some information or need some help with something, and Surika happens to answer the phone. Um, she is so helpful. So I'm really, really pleased that she's speaking to us about the Dharma tonight because it's so lovely to have someone who is so dedicated to the Dharma, to Dharma practice, but also to making available to others in a backroom kind of way. There she is, working away there, week in, week out, week in, week out, for us, so that we can have this centre, so that we can just come along to the class knowing the heating will be on, uh, knowing that everything's going to be fine, that it's all going to be locked up at the end of the class, and so it won't get broken into. Sue can make sure all that is done. Um, so many things uh, we can be grateful for. So it's lovely to be able to listen to Surika speak this evening about salutation. And uh, I know that she's a little bit nervous because she's not used to giving talks, but I feel quite certain, actually, that it's just going to be a real treat for Mm, yes, it's a bit um, different standing here than being on the reception desk, just welcoming people in. Um, but I am, I am pleased to be here. I think it uh, feels like uh, a bit of a challenge, but I feel sort of up for giving it a go. And I also feel um, it's really nice because I feel like... Uh, I don't think there's anybody in the room that I haven't at least sort of said hello to at some point. So I sort of feel sort of um, I've already got some sort of connection. So I'm, I'm very happy to just share my thoughts on this particular verse um, from the puja. And um, I've sort of written out a talk. So, I, you know, I'll do my best not to be like this and to sort of keep my head up. So but just bear with me. And I know I'll get a very dry mouth as well, so if I need more liquid, I'll just have to flag that up. Okay. So, um, 
Twelve centuries ago, a man called Shantideva committed himself to Buddhist practice. And uh, at some point, he decided to write what is sometimes called the Guide to the Buddhist, uh, you know, Guide to the Path of Awakening. And uh, there's a little book there, the Bodhicharya Avatara. And uh, what I'm curious about is uh, why does he say the things he says in this text? And what's it got to do with us living our lives in Manchester 12 centuries on? Does what he says uh, help me and help us to deepen our spiritual practice? And can we learn something from what he said? So um, what he actually says, which uh, relates to the salutation verse in the Sevenfold Puja, I'll just read you straight from the text. With as many prostrations as there are atoms in all the Buddha fields, I throw myself down before the Buddhas of all three times, before the Dharma and before the highest assembly. I worship all the, hmm, don't I say this, kayas? Chaitas. Chaitas, thank you. And places associated with Bodhisattva. I bow down to my teachers and to spiritual aspirants who are worthy of praise. And Sangharachita, um, I think, has taken these particular verses and he translated it um, into the salutation verse of the Sevenfold Puja. So this is Sangharachita's translation of what Shantideva said. So the salutation verse goes, With as many atoms as there are in the thousand million worlds, so many times I make reverent salutation to the Buddhas of the Three Eras, to the Sadharma, to the excellent community. I pay homage to all the shrines and places in which the Bodhisattvas have been. I make profound obeisance to the teachers and those to whom respectful salutation is due. So during the talk, I'll be saying, oh, Shantideva said, blah, 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 and really, it's um, Sangharachita's translation of what Shantideva said, but I'm not going to repeat that every time. So I'm just going to talk as if these, this is the spirit of what Shantideva said. And I just wanted to start by um, just sort of clarifying that we understand the sort of general gist of what's being said, the sort of language that is used. <coughs> so I'll just go through the verse just to start with. With as many atoms as there are in the thousand million worlds, so many times I make reverent salutation. So uh, in uh, Buddhist cosmology, there's a whole idea that there's more than one world system. There's more than just this world that we know. And um, even if we don't sort of go with that, or we, you know, that's a bit alien to us, um, what Shantideva is saying here is that uh, he would, um, well, there's absolutely no limit to the number of times that he would want to show reverent salutation or deep respect to something. We'll come on to what that something is in a minute. So it is absolutely endless the number of times that he would want to show this deep respect to something. And, well, what is this something that he wants to show this deep respect to that is sort of unbounded? Um, well, he goes on to say it's to the Buddhas of the three eras, 
So the Buddhas of the three eras, eras is the Buddha of the past, the present and the future. So uh, what we're familiar with is the Buddha of the present, Shakyamuni. That's the Buddha, historical Buddha from two and a half thousand years ago. But there's also, um, ah, well, from Shanti Deva's point of view, in Buddhist sort of, um, I don't know if belief is the right word, but there's a sense that actually there's, there's more than one Buddha. We know about Shakyamuni Buddha, but there's also um, Buddhas in times gone by that we're not aware of and that will be future Buddhas as well. Um, so it's sort of hinting at that uh, Buddhas exist a bit like outside of time and space. We know about Shakyamuni, but there will have been other Buddhas in the past and there will be Buddhas to come again in the future. What else does he want to show this sort of unbounded sort of uh, devotion to? It's to the Sadharma. So um, this basically means the truth. Yeah, so it's a bit, well, it's, um, we would, could relate it to the word Dharma, yeah, the truth. He also wants to show this unbounded devotion to the excellent community so this is sangha and in this context he means what's called the arya sangha the noble sangha so all those beings who've attained enlightenment um, or are at that point in their spiritual practice where they're not going to fall back so we can really rely on these people to um, give us good spiritual guidance we can trust their experience he also wants to pay homage to all the shrines. So he wants to pay tribute uh, to places where there's sort of evidence that people have practiced Buddhism. So people build shrines where uh, they want to uh, you know, create a place of practice or to remind themselves of what's important. And Shanti Devi is saying that those places are really worthy of respect. And he also says that um, we should pay, he wants to pay devotion to places in which bodhisattvas have been. So any place where there's been uh, someone who's either attained enlightenment or has got a goal, has really set their heart on gaining enlightenment to benefit all beings. He's saying those places are very special places. Something very special has happened. So it's obviously very important to Shantideva that he wants to show respect to any place associated with Buddhist practice. And, well, why is that? Now, I might be stating the obvious here, but I found it helpful to say this. <laughs> well, I think it's because he believes that Buddhist activity is the most... Um, uh, to follow the Buddhist path is the most beneficial activity that one could uh, take up in one's life, not just for oneself, but for all human beings, because it's a path away from suffering towards wisdom, compassion, greater kindness. So he wants to make profound obeisance. So this is referring to, he wants to actually uh, express his appreciation to the Buddhas, to places where people have practised. Um, and he wants to uh, express that in gesture as well. So obeisance might mean um, some sort of gesture, like we might bow to the shrine, yeah. And finally, he wants to show deep respect to the teachers and those to whom respectful salutation is due. So absolutely anyone who's helped communicate the Dharma and somehow has exemplified the Dharma in their lives is worthy of respect. He appreciates um, any sort of positive effect those people have had in the world. 
So why would Shantideva feel this very deep, profound devotion and respect to the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha? That it overflows from his, almost like his every pore, it's limitless. Um, There's no end to how many times he would want to bow down and show his respect to the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. It's very, very strong uh, sort of feelings I think he's experiencing. Well, I'm guessing here because I didn't know him myself and I haven't even read a lot about his life. But um, what I suspect is that he's had some sort of profound, deep spiritual experience, which means that he's realised the significance of the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, not just on an intellectual level, but somehow in the depths of his being. Um, And I imagine the way he's sort of expressing this devotion is that uh, his sole occupation in life is the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. He's not sort of uh, caught up in anything that somehow isn't related to that. Um, And I I found it interesting, like at the time of the Buddha, we get examples of people having these very strong, profound experiences. So you get stories of how uh, the Buddha would meet somebody and that person would ask the Buddha a question and then he would give some sort of response. And it's said that if that person was receptive, something might happen. They may have some sort of experience. And I'm quoting Sangharachita here. He describes what might happen if we asked the Buddha a question and he answered and we were receptive and open to that answer. And Sangharachita says that he or she feels deeply affected deeply moved, deeply stirred, so thrilled in fact that their hair may stand on end, they may shed tears or be seized by a fit of trembling. They feel as if they are seeing a great light. They have a tremendous sense of emancipation. They feel as if a great burden has been lifted from their back or as though suddenly they've been let out of prison. So I think that Shantideva has had some sort of very strong experience somehow in line with the thing, uh, what Sangharachita is talking about here, what might happen if you met the Buddha and you were receptive to what the Buddha had to uh, teach. So if we just imagine that Shantideva is feeling a tremendous sense of emancipation uh, and he sort of realises that, it, gosh, it's, it's possible to feel completely free as a human being, whatever that might mean, and that perhaps he feels his life has been radically transformed, that this is really possible for this to happen. It's happened to him. And perhaps he also realises, well, if this can happen for me, then it's possible for other people to reach that state. So... um, He'll also know how he's got there. He'll have some, some sense of his life, about how he started off in his life, what sort of journey he's taken, and what happened for him to reach this point where he's sort of overflowing with deep appreciation for the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. He'll know what has led to that in his experience. So I think he's saying without doubt to us that for him, the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha 
and he's deepening understanding, not just on an intellectual level, but emotionally, and his whole being have brought him to this place of deep devotion. And uh, it seems like he, he wants to express that. He needs to express that. And uh, I'll just pause a minute. Yeah, and I think what we get in the salutation verse is a sort of, I'm going to do a gesture here. It's a bit like I can imagine him sort of stepping back and going, gosh, how did I get here? There's been sort of um, all the Buddhist teachers from the past where the teachings have been passed down over time. Um, There's been sort of the community of people who have supported one another in Buddhist practice. There's been the teachings. Gosh, all, all that means that I have arrived at this point in my life. And so I think that's why he points to the three jewels, all the places in which Bodhisattvas has been. He's got that really big perspective on how he's got to this point in time. And I think I get a sense that he feel, he well, he's benefited himself, but it doesn't just stop there. It's not just, oh, great, hey, look where I've got to. There's a very strong sense that other people could benefit from this as well. So his perspective is big. And I suppose I was just thinking it's a bit like maybe us getting on with our lives and then doing this sort of step back and realising, well, how did I get to where I am now? And actually, oh gosh, yes, and my parents, weren't they? And how I was brought up and then, oh yeah, that happened in my life and somebody really gave me support at a time I needed it or, gosh, that person inspired me. He's sort of, we don't, I don't know if we often do that really step back and see what led to us being, you know, who we are and what we are now in our lives. So I think um, Shanti Dave is doing that in relation to uh, how he's developed as a spiritual being. He's taken the big perspective. So you might be thinking, uh, so what's this got to do with me now in my life? Um, perhaps we don't feel what Shantideva feels. Perhaps we don't feel like 100 million times I make salutations to the Buddha. Perhaps we're not feeling that, yeah? Um, Perhaps we feel something, but we're not quite sure what we feel towards the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Perhaps we sometimes sort of say the verses in the puja, and maybe we like saying it, but we don't quite know why. It's sort of, there's just something happening. Or maybe it feels like somehow there's nothing much happening, yeah? So I thought it might be helpful to um, have a, uh, just remind ourselves, well, what have we got in common with Shantideva, who lived 12 centuries ago? So we all know about the three jewels, yeah? To some extent, we have some understanding of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha in our lives. And whether we... um, I suppose like thinking this way or not, we have got some sort of relationship with the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Um, Just by the fact that we're choosing to come to the Buddhist centre on a Monday night, we've got a relationship with what this centre is about, which is about the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Uh, Maybe we've decided to take up a regular meditation practice. So maybe we've, we've decided to try and put some of what we're learning into practice in our lives. Perhaps we're practising the five precepts to some degree. Perhaps we're starting to develop friendships with people in the Sangha. So we're getting a sense of being part of the Sangha. Perhaps we have some sense of um, respect for people who've got more experience than us around the centre and people that have taught us about Buddhism. 
perhaps we've just got a general sense that this is a positive place for us to come to and that we feel some sense of encouragement to be more ourselves. Perhaps there's some sense that there is something higher, there is something more to life than what we thought and we're receptive to that to some degree. So I think we can safely say, unless, well, I'm going to have a go anyway. <laughs> I think we can safely say that Shanti Deva is more spiritually developed than any of us here, I think, as far as I know. <laughs> and um, I was just thinking, well, we don't need to worry about that. Yeah, we don't need to worry that Shanti, it's not, it shouldn't be a problem. It's good news that Shanti Deva is more experienced than us, that he maybe sees things that we don't see. And not to worry about that, and not to worry about the fact that he might be expressing something in um, uh, these verses that we don't feel like that. Don't worry about it. Because I think the point is, yes, what is the point? (laughs) Um, It's not that we should be feeling what he feels. Um, It's... Yes, what is it? I thought I got really clear about this. Um, Just let me pause one minute. Okay, yeah. So it's not that we have to feel exactly what Shantideva feels, but um, there's something about the fact that uh, if we found something of value in the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, there's a sense that we might want to express some sort of respect and appreciation for that at our level where we're at, based on our own experience. Yeah? Shantideva has had his experience, and out of that there's a very, very strong sense of devotion to the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha that he wants to express. And we'll have had whatever experience we've had at this point in finding out about the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Um, and I was just thinking, I wonder if it would be helpful just to, um, it's quite good to know where you're at with these things. You know, where, what, you know, what do I feel about the coming to the Buddhist centre and what the Buddha said and the teachings and how did I connect with that talk the other week? You know, what's, what sort of position are we in? Um, and just to be honest about that, so I'm just going to do a little, um, uh, well, imagine a lot of different positions or places we might find ourselves in in relation to how we um, well not only sort of think about the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha but just our attitude to life in general so this is a little bit of just bear with me with this so you could be in a position or maybe you have been in this position where you just think well I just think life's just about you know you just enjoy yourself as much as possible you know we're not going to be here long go for maximum pleasure whatever yeah just do what you want to do with life you might be in a position where you just feel like, I feel so pointless and meaningless, I'm not sure what to do with myself, you know, nothing seems to be give me satisfaction. Might be you feel, well, yeah, life's sort of okay, but I feel a bit stuck sometimes. I'm not sure if there's much I can do about it. Maybe I just need to change my job. Um, it might be that you're in a position where you think, well, I do think there's more to life than what I've experienced so far. I get a sense there could be something more meaningful, but I don't know what that is. It might be you have a sense that you've found out a little bit, say, about Buddhism, seems to make sense to you, um, and you know you get a sense that there's something positive in it. 
Yeah, you've just got a sense of that through your experience so far. It might be you're in a position where you, you sort of hear yourself saying, oh, yeah, I've read loads of Buddhist books, gone down the Buddhist centre, done some classes, and in fact, it's just all common sense. You might feel a bit overwhelmed, you know. I've uh, been coming along to the Buddhist centre. There is so much to uh, take in. I keep hearing loads of different things, lots of different teachings. Um, I feel a bit lost with it all sometimes. It might be you're at a point where you feel you're coming along to the centre and you're realising there's something important here for you. Uh, Maybe you're realising, oh, you know, I feel like I'm changing a bit. Uh, It does seem to be making a positive difference in my life. It might be you're at the point where you feel like, you know, I've decided I'm going to commit to, you know, doing a regular meditation practice. I really want to practice the precepts in my life. Um, You know, this is becoming more important to me. I'm feeling a deeper commitment to, to the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. It might be at some point you're thinking... I'm ready to get ordained. I'm ready to sort of stand up and say, this is the most important thing in my life. And, you know, if I was the last person stood on earth on my own, I'd be trying to practice uh, Buddhism to the best of my ability. You might be at a point where you go, as many atoms as there are in the thousand million worlds, so many times I make reverent salutation to all the Buddhas of the three eras. You know, you could be anywhere on that scale. And it's going to change, yeah? It's not a fixed place. (coughs) So I just wanted to share a little bit about um, a little snippet of my own journey along that line, yeah, just to get a sense of that. I would say when I first came across um, Buddhism, which is up at Danakosha in Scotland, um, I don't think I was even that conscious what my view of life was, but looking back, I think it was something like, um, you know, I love life, I just want to do everything to enjoy my life as much as possible. I'm aware of ethics, I don't want to do things that's going to harm other people, but it's like I'm just looking for experiences that will help me feel more alive, yeah? Travel was one of my big things, really. And I was very sceptical about Buddhism, And um, I remember saying to myself, I am not going to say anything I don't understand when someone said, we'll now do the threefold puja. I thought, no way, I'm not saying that. You know, so it's a sense of, um, you know, I I, I felt quite distant from sort of what was being offered in a sort of more formal way, so doing a puja. Um, and I also thought that Buddhism would limit me. So the very thing that I was drawn to, which was a sense of freedom, I had a view that Buddhism might limit me. It might be about telling me I've got to do this and that. And, well, what if I don't want to? That doesn't feel very freeing. Um, but I do remember meeting people up there who were practising Buddhists and thinking, you know, they've got something. I, I felt drawn to their authenticity um, their warmth and friendliness, and somehow their ease in themselves. But something else needed to, to sort of shift for me to decide to come to the Buddhist Centre here in Manchester and actually do a class, because I was sort of quite sceptical. And what needed to change for me was um, basically this idea that Buddhism would limit me. And I'll just uh, 
just share with you um, an image. Uh, well, how did that shift happen? Well, it might have come about through the drip-drip effect of sort of being around people and being inspired by them. But also, I remember, um, some people have heard this story before, but if you've been to Danakosha, there's a lovely stream running down the side of the grounds, and it's got very sort of sheer rocks that sort of guide the water down to this, it's sort of shooting through rocks in places, very forceful, the water. And I just let myself uh, uh, consider that maybe there's something about having some sort of um, structure or guidance in your life that actually might uh, mean that you become a bit like more potent, a bit like the water had much more energy and drive because there was sort of, there was like a channel for it to move through. And I thought, hmm, maybe it's a bit more appealing, this idea of something sort of guiding you in your life rather than the water just sort of flooding sort of a plain or something like that. So there was a shift that took part, uh, took place for me and I think the shift um, was also about um, my relationship to myself there was some sort of acceptance or opening to maybe I didn't have all the answers yeah maybe I didn't couldn't you know work it all out by myself just from the confines of my own understanding of life and maybe um, there were people who knew more than me or understood more about how to live a human life. And I guess if we do find uh, situations or people uh, where we think there's something of value there that might um, help us grow or develop, then we can be drawn to that. Perhaps that's why we've been drawn to coming to the Buddhist Centre here. But I also think we can still feel resistance. I certainly still felt a mixture of being drawn to something and resistance because I think those views of I've got all the answers, I know best or a little bit of um, arrogance or something like that um, doesn't just disappear overnight. So how do we... um, We might get be drawn to something, um, but how do we know whether we can really sort of um, trust that. Is it sort of worthy of us turning towards something, showing something or somebody respect? And I think this often takes time to build up, yeah? Probably um, you don't walk... Well, I don't know, actually. Maybe some people do just walk through the British <coughs> centre and feel like, you know, I just feel like, you know... This is it. Actually, some people do say that, don't they? They say they have this sense of I've come home. Yeah, it's just a strong sort of feeling. Um, I didn't feel that myself, but I know other people do feel that. Um, I'm just going to have to pause again. Yeah, so there's, I think there is a process that happens depending on where you start in your sort of connection with Buddhism. There's a process, you know, you have your initial sort of connection and then there's a journey to be taken. And if we do find something that we appreciate um, that sort of had an effect on us in our lives, that seems to uplift us or inspire us, um, then I think um, that can start to sink in more to our experience if we find a way of acknowledging that that's actually happened. 
Yeah, that something has happened and we appreciate it. Because Shantideva is expressing very, very deep appreciation to the Buddha and Dharma and Sangha. But I think there's some value in us acknowledging um, what we've experienced so far. And I I'm, I'm don't just mean, actually, I don't just mean about the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. I mean in our lives in general. There's something about just acknowledging what we appreciate, which uh, helps us develop a sense of receptivity to being connected to other beings. And that we don't stand alone in the world, actually. We're affected by other people's actions all the time, and we're having an effect. So it's very simple, but I think just saying thank you, showing appreciation for things we receive is important. Offering a gift, offering to help a person. You know, we don't have to say, with as many atoms as as there are in the thousand million worlds, so many times I make reverent salutation, but we might want to just place a candle on the shrine because we feel moved to do so, because we have been affected by what we've come across. And we might also have an urge sometimes to do something we've not done before, like bow to the shrine. And I was just thinking about um, Daimala, you're welcome uh, on Thursday for those, well, whether you were here or not, but it was quite moving that um, after uh, the ritual in Daimala had... No, it was after the... the thing at the end that you did... Dedication ceremony. After the dedication ceremony, Diamala was sort of sat here and she'd led this ceremony. And people went up to the shrine and the people were just going by, by Diamala and bowing to her. Yeah? And nobody said, okay, and what you do now is, you know, remember to bow to Diamala. It's like something happened. People were moved and wanted to express that in some sort of gesture. And I'm sure, well, I don't know, but I, I imagine there might have been people doing that and they, maybe they'd never bowed to another human being before. That could have been possible, just to do that gesture of respect. Yeah. And I think when we do that, it strengthens our connection with the thing that we respect. Yeah. It makes it a bit more real. And I think that it, the other thing that can happen is that it can help us sort of uh, loosen up our attachment uh, just to ourselves, our relationship to ourselves can start to loosen up actually our relationship to things outside of ourselves is really important. Yeah, we're not, uh, well, we're going to be limited how much we grow if the main relationship and focus of our lives is just ourselves. I think it's when we come into stronger relationship with others and things of value that we can start to uh, grow more. So I'm sure we've all had, um, I was just thinking about other experiences where we might feel sort of, uplifted and uh, where we get a sense of uh, loosening up our sort of attachment to ourselves yeah we get a bit more opened up and I was thinking that I think most people will have had um, some sort of experience um, say when you've watched a sunset or you just want to go outside one night and look at the stars or you've been out in nature or you've heard a beautiful piece of music Um, maybe you've been doing something with others, you've created something. And it's a bit like you you just start to forget about yourself. And you get in touch with some sort of sense of beauty and appreciation of something outside yourself that you sort of resonate with. And I think in those moments, um, we can sort of get a sense that there is something bigger than us. 
Uh, there's some sort of beauty and mystery about life. And perhaps in those times we also start to feel a sense of ease and wonder at life. And our day-to-day concerns can sort of slip away a little bit. But I also think there is something more than that. And I think that's uh, where the sort of the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha come in really. Um, So we can uh, certainly experience, and it's very positive I think, to make sure we try and stay open to that thing of stepping back and seeing the bigger picture of life and the wonder of life. Um, But Shantideva is saying... um, in this text, there's a path to awakening. Yeah, so there's a sense of wonder, mystery about life, and then within that, he's also saying there's a path to awakening as well. So I think it's uh, it can be helpful to stop and pause and think um, from your experience so far of sort of you know finding out about Buddhism and putting it into practice in your life to whatever extent you are. I mean, do you get a glimpse um, from what you've experienced so far that you could lead a more meaningful life? Do you get a sense of that in some way? Do you get some sort of sense um, in your actual experience that you're becoming more kind and positive? Do you experience yourself as becoming more yourself? Do you think Buddhism has something to offer, not just yourself, but the wider world? And, um, well, I think if you feel the answer to any of those questions is yes, you might want to um, try and find some way to give expression to that, that you have perhaps found something that you feel is giving your life more meaning, or you are changing, you're noticing you're becoming a kinder person. Because I think if you... uh, Yeah, there's something for me about... um, If the answer to any of those questions is yes, you've got an opportunity to make that more real to yourself by actually um, expressing that in some way or acknowledging to yourself that something has happened. It might feel quite small. It might feel quite big. I don't know. And maybe your response might be that you just want to say thank you. You just want to say thank you to somebody. Maybe you want to bow to the shrine because you have a sense that you know that's what you want to do. You want to express some sort of devotion to something that is higher than you, that is having a positive effect on you and can have a positive effect on others. Maybe you just want to light a candle and sit quietly. Maybe you want to write something down to express what you feel. Um, But in some way, I suppose what I'd like to encourage us to consider is being open to taking some sort of action to express um, if the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha has had some sort of positive benefit in our lives so far, just to um, give some expression to that because in doing that I think you'll connect with it more and acknowledge that there is something, there is something worthy of your respect and devotion in your life.
something though which mm. is uh, uh, you've been mis- misinformed about something oh that's fine yeah, I'm, that's I knew fine you'd be fine about, about yeah, it yeah it's fine uh, the wasn't translated by Sarah oh, right. oh, that's a good point uh, <laughs> it was translated by Mrs A. A. G. Bennett oh. uh, who's Mrs A. A. G. Bennett yeah. um, <laughs> it's never been published as a book in fact I think mm. it was one of the first ever translations into English and she was an old friend of oh, right. Bante yeah yeah so uh, anyway, I thought I'd just better yeah, set the message straight. <laughs> yeah. 